0: This past week, uh, you may not be the type of person that watches uh, the Oscars at uh, the Academy Awards ceremony, but uh, the 2022 uh, Oscars will be remembered, of course, for the slap heard around the world. Uh, what did the five fingers say to the face? Slap. But uh, that's not actually what I find most fascinating when I uh, watch uh, award shows like this. Uh, what I actually find the most interesting is uh, the acceptance speeches that that uh, winners uh, give, specifically when winners dedicate their award to someone or something. I find that uh, that's actually what I'm most interested in, what most grabs my heart and and attention. And so uh, perhaps you watched this year when Troy Kotzer, who's uh, being uh, shown on the big screen, he became the first deaf man to win Best Supporting Actor. And even uh, the translator, their voice cracked, uh, with emotion as uh, he was dedicating his award to his father, who had actually lost his ability to do sign language after he was paralyzed in an accident. And so Troy uh, mentioned that, Dad, I've learned so much from you. I will always love you. You are my hero. And so even the translator and the people in the audience were deeply moved by his dedication to his dad. And I wonder for you this morning, if you were to reflect on the blessings the accomplishments, the relations, the situations in your life, who or what would you dedicate it to? Who would you acknowledge or attribute or offer all these blessings and situations of your life to? So I want you to be thinking about that as you turn in your Bible this morning to Nehemiah chapter 12. We're in this series called Restore, how we experience restoration in our lives by returning to God to rebuild what's broken, and that when we do so, that the Lord doesn't simply replace broken parts with more breakable parts, but when God builds something, he builds something new, something better. Excuse me. Now, previously, we saw that God had given Nehemiah a conviction for a suffering city in need of a savior. And so with prayer and planning and preparation, he casts this vision to rebuild both the physical and spiritual walls of their families and community altogether, creating a refuge to welcome people to worship God. Because restoration isn't just about walls, it's about worship. And now, after they've rebuilt these walls, they've read God's words, they're repenting from sin, they're renewing their covenant with God, they're refilling the city with people, and now they're finally ready to celebrate what the Lord has done with a dedication. And so we're going to pick up, starting in chapter 12, verse 27. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem... They sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. So what's happening here is with the completion of the work, God's people are gathering together for the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. Now, What does that mean when they say that they're having a dedication? For many of us, we picture in our minds perhaps a baby dedication or a building dedication. We are familiar with that, which in our day has come to mean something like an inauguration or a celebration of just something that's new, right? But in the Bible, this word that's used in this passage of dedication is the same word that's interchangeable with the word consecration. What that means is when you devote someone or something to God as a holy offering, that's what it means to consecrate it, that you're devoting it to to God as a holy offering. And so picture this, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when the temple of God is completed, what happens is the glory of God comes rushing in and filling that house, and that in sacrifice and in celebration, the people dedicate that building to the Lord for his work, for his worship, offering it to God, devoting it to God as a holy offering. Second example, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. In your translation, it says, train up your child, but the actual word there is the same word here. Dedicate your child in the ways of the Lord. In other words, to train up, to devote your child to love God and to live for God. That's what consecration and dedication mean. And so the first piece I want you to get this morning is that that we are to set apart things to God for his use and for his glory. That's what it means to dedicate someone, something or someone. Now, if you were a Jewish person back then, or as you think about the things in your life now, sometimes we might wrestle with, well, why should I dedicate it to God, give it to God? When I'm the one who built it, I'm the one who birthed this child, why should I do that? And so the first piece is setting something apart to God for his use and his glory. But the second piece we see in this passage is about praise, giving credit to God. Verse 27 through 29, we see these Levites. They're the worship leaders uh, of of the people here. They come and lead worship with gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing. Why are they doing this at this dedication ceremony? Because they're not just completing a construction project. What they're doing here is this wall that they're all standing on top of, because they're all on top of the wall at this point, is the tangible evidence of God's faithfulness and forgiveness for his people. For those of you who have been tracking with us, remember this began. the story of this began long before Nehemiah, that the forefathers of Nehemiah's people had turned away from God's presence and protection. And the end result, when you walk away from God and you walk away from his protection, is that you start facing life and enemies on your own. And so what happens is that Judah gets conquered and Jerusalem gets destroyed, including all of its walls. But God has not abandoned them. And so, generation later, as the people are repenting of sin, they're praising that... This is a good and holy and loving God who has brought them back to rebuild broken walls and to restore broken lives. And isn't that a picture for us of the gospel, what Jesus does, that God sends his son to die for our sins, to rise as our Savior, to rebuild, to restore us forever when we follow him by faith. And so the picture here is that a dedication isn't simply a housewarming party or a baby welcoming party, that it is a declaration of praise where we give credit to God because it's not about what I have done. That's why I can give it, because it's not about what I've done. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. If you do it on your own, you think you're building it yourself, you're not going to come up with much and so what praise does as we're giving thanks to god we're recognizing what god has made what god has given what god has accomplished and so the credit and the ownership belong to god third piece in verse 30 we see that the pastors and the worship leaders not only consecrate the gates and the walls you see they also consecrated themselves they purified themselves in other words when we dedicate something to God. That is, not only dedicating our stuff or our situation to a holy God for his holy use, we also dedicate ourselves and our lives to him as well. And so, as we talk about what it means to give, I think sometimes we, we think, well, why is God asking, or why does the Bible show us that we're to give things back to God? Because you and I know that by faith in Christ, we receive forgiveness for sin. We receive a forever with God as a free gift That's grace, right? It's free. And as we learn to love Jesus and follow Jesus, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says that we respond to his grace by offering our whole body, our whole lives, all that we have, all that we are uh, to God because that is worship. So there's the grace that we receive and there's the worship that we give. And so the big idea for the passage this morning is that like the Jewish people, We dedicate things in our life to God in praise and set it apart for his purposes. So when we dedicate something to God, there's the praise element and there's also the purposes of God element. Because praise reminds us what God has given, what he has done, and that as we praise him and remember that this is his, this is, that he's the one who's done this great thing, in response we give it back to him. We devote our dollars and our days, our resources and our relationships, our mind, our hearts, our bodies to him. We dedicate to him our work and our life because all that really is from him and it all really belongs to him. And so we dedicate it to him to accomplish his good and his glory, because the issue at stake here is one of worship. You see, we were made to glorify and enjoy God forever, the Westminster Confession tells us, the Catechism tells us. But if you are not pursuing God or pur- pouring yourself out to God, that doesn't mean you stop worshiping. In fact, all that means is that we just direct it to someone or something else, and the Bible calls that idolatry. And so let me put it in the context of what we're talking about this morning. God has given you and I uh, the ability and opportunity to build a, a wall, to build our career, to build our lives, to build our homes. And these are all good gifts from God. But the problem is, if you and I are not careful that the things God gives and the things God made, they can take the place of God. The blessing is mine. The credit is mine. This is what I cherish most in life, and I'm going to use it for my joy, my purposes, my fulfillment, my glory, instead of finding all those things in Christ, in God. And so the antidote for our hearts is that we are to dedicate that area of our life and every area of our life to God so that we worship the blessed sir instead of the blessing, so that we invest in his lasting purposes instead of our self-worshiping ones. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you value, that you are clinging to, that you are withholding from the Lord? And what do you need to rededicate? Perhaps you need to rededicate that area of your life or all of your life back to God today. What is that thing? Perhaps your mind, your thoughts, your heart, your emotions, your body, your money or your marriage your career, your children. Yes, but what if I'm struggling to surrender that area? I know that God is worthy. I know that he's good. What if I'm struggling to surrender certain areas of my life to God? And like this passage, we start off by giving him praise. Because as we remember that he is a good God, that he's a giver, that he's our God, it realigns our hearts. It reminds us that it's all from him. It all belongs To him, to be used by him for our good and for his glory. Praise will change your heart so that you can surrender and dedicate things to the Lord. Let's move on in this passage. Verse 31. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate, and after them went. and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priests' sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zacher, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azrael, I can't read very well, Azrael, uh, Gilali, Maui, (laughs) Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani. We do actually, like in seminary practice, like speaking Hebrew and learning how to pronounce things well, but I didn't do well in that class. Okay, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra, the scribe, went before him. At the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David as the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. And the other choir, remember that there were two choirs, of those who gave thanks went to the north. And I, Nehemiah, followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshanah and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt, at the gate of the guard. Praise the Lord, we're done with that passage. All right, so uh, verse 31, Nehemiah brings all the leaders and, of the community and the church onto the wall. So they're all stepping on top of the wall, and they walk along it with two massive choirs to continue giving praise to God. In verse 32 to 36, Pastor Ezra who has his own book, but is a contemporary of Nehemiah, he leads one group with a worship band full of musical instruments to walk atop the south side of the wall. And then in verses 37 to 39, Nehemiah quietly follows this other group of worshipers around the north side of the wall. And then they all end up meeting together at the gate of God's temple. So that's in summary what's happening in this passage in case you zoned out for a minute. Now the question is, why are they doing why are they bringing these two massive choirs, walk along this, the, top, uh, the, the top of the wall? Yes, of course, they're giving thanks to God, but it's more than that. Why would you bother having this long procession of praise that's walking? Remember, this is miles of wall. They're walking miles and miles on top of the wall. It's not just some weird religious ceremony. That's not what a dedication is. What's happening here is, do you remember... Throughout Nehemiah, there were these three non-Jewish politicians from neighboring nations who don't love God, don't worship God, don't serve God, and they stood in opposition to the work of God in Jerusalem. Because as long as the walls and the gates remained broken, that meant that the city was defenseless, It'd be easy to intimidate and subjugate to the will of its neighbors. And so we saw three times in Nehemiah, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 6, that this group of men, politicians, they tried to halt the construction of the wall through their political machination, through intimidation, through distractions, and they failed. And here's where we want to land. In chapter 4, verse 3, one of these men, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, he attempts to antagonize and criticize the building of the wall. He, He says to them basically in a nutshell, Your workmanship, your wall, your God is so weak that if a little fox climbed up on on top of the wall right now, it would just crumble beneath its feet. This passage, this procession is the response to that. You see, I want you to picture the weight of hundreds of Jewish people standing on the solid rock of this wall, the solid rock of their faith, Broadcasting from the top of this wall their praise, so that later in verse 43, it reads that the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away by all the neighboring nations. It's a subtle way of Nehemiah saying to us and them back then that everyone, everywhere, heard our declaration that the wall, the work, the worship, the will of the Lord cannot be stopped. And now all of our adversaries know that our God is a great and mighty God. Amen? And so when you sing a song of worship, you know that song, we praise you? This is what it means when you sing that line. Let praise be the weapon that silences our enemy. You see? Because in this passage, after this moment of dedication for what God has done, every critic is silenced and you don't hear a word from them ever again in the rest of Nehemiah. You see, when we dedicate things in our life to God in praise, in his purpose, it defeats the discouragement that we experience. The insult and the onslaught of enemies and bullies fall before the mighty God. And friends and family who may be discouraged by those opposition are now encouraged as they witness and testify to the power of a faithful God. So many of you may remember um, about 11 years ago when uh, my family, when we bought a home and moved into this neighborhood uh, I'll be honest with you, our families were quite skeptical about us living here. Why would you do that? Because in uh, you know, our parents' loving way, uh, they were telling us things like, it's not a good investment, it's not good property value, it's not that great of a school system, is, is it a safe area? But Melissa and I, we made a promise to the Lord that we would dedicate our home and our family to the work of gospel in this community near our church, And I won't lie to you, over the last 11 years, there's been seasons of disappointment and defeat and despair sometimes. But what keeps us going are the praise and the purposes of Jesus. When I'm feeling discouraged, I remember dedicating five of my own neighbors and my friends to the Lord in baptism. I remember praising God for the open doors that he gave us, with our Hidden Treasures outreach to children 11 years ago. I praise the Lord for all the times that he's opened doors for us to partner, have partnership with our local school, Burbank Elementary, and the open doors of being able to reach over 800 students and families with some of our church events, because God is good. I think about our Bridging Grace outreach to give groceries and home supplies to, to local families over these last two years of the pandemic. Thousands of dollars and hundreds of deliveries because God is good. And I think about our kids' homework club that currently serves students Monday through Thursday afternoons right here in this church. A tangible way that Jesus' love reaches out to families here at no cost. And as I remind myself and as we remind each other by declaring the praise and power of what God has done, it silences critics. It inspires those who are downtrodden in heart, and it lifts the name and the banner of Jesus high in victory. So as you dedicate something in your life to God, to his will, to his work, to his worship, and we face antagonism and opposition at times, sometimes from external voices, and if we're honest, sometimes from that critical voice inside our own heads, but when we, what we dedicate to God, we surround with praise for who God is, what he has done, because the praise and purposes of God defeat discouragement and silence every critic. Verse 40. So, both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half of the officials with me and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Miramin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. And Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehonanan, Melchizedek, Elam, and Azer, and the singers sang with Jezrehiah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. So, in verse 40, there's these two choirs they've met all together at the temple led by Governor Nehemiah, Pastor Ezra, and they enter into the house of God. And in verse 41 through 42, all the other pastors and worship leaders gather around. They continue playing music, leading the people in praise. And as they do, something powerful happens to them. Verse 43, take a look at that. They were offering great sacrifices. There was, and they rejoiced. For God made them rejoice with a great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. What's the key word in this passage? Rejoice. Joy, right? That as they dedicated this wall and their offerings of sacrifice and themselves to the Lord, they experienced this incredible joy and satisfaction that lifted their souls and lifted their lives heavenward. And so the point of this part of the passage is that dedicating things in our life to God with his praise and his purpose, it unleashes his great joy in us. Some of you already know, this past Friday, uh, my young son, my older son and daughter, uh, Indigo and Violet, uh, they woke me up giggling Friday morning. Daddy, we made coffee for you. There was a sign taped to the thermos, totally not mysterious, (laughs) on April Fool's Day. And so that's not suspicious at all, right? And so they eagerly just stood there watching me. Eh, eh, eh. So I reluctantly opened it, drank it, and uh, I'll, I just want to tell you it was indeed coffee. It was room temperature. It was sour, and it was a sludge. Because what they had done was they had taken coffee, they had put it in water, microwaved it for 30 seconds, and then they added three tablespoons of sugar and three tablespoons of flour. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And they had left this incredible mess in the kitchen alongside it. I want to tell you, the Bible is true. Children are such a blessing from the Lord. And yet, that morning, that time, I was able to Embrace them and enjoy them and rejoice with them. Why? I want to tell you it's not because I'm a good dad. I'm really not. Because And here's the proof. Because the very next day, it was almost the same thing that happened. Same questionable process. Same mess. Except this time they were trying to make brownies. <laughs> with, no, with no brownie mix. <laughs> also sludge. I'm pretty sure it's the same as the coffee. And that time, the next day, the very next day, I reacted with incredible anger. I was furious. And when I was speaking speaking to God about it, it's kind of like, Lord, why have you cursed me with terrorists in my own home? Why was I able able to have such great joy on Friday? It's not because I was prepared for April Fool's. Because I'll tell you what, uh, last year, I was enraged when my children hid all the toilet paper from my bathroom before I noticed and before I, right, before I needed it. So what's the difference? The difference was because this Friday, I was able to take a moment to focus on God's praise and purposes. Father, I rejoice because you're a good God. And these kids are a good gift. And they're from you, and so they belong to you and I can rejoice in your good purposes for their lives. Just as my wife was reminding me that giving them freedom to make mistakes and learn and grow is part of God's good purposes. And not just for them, but God's good purposes, including for me, to learn how to temper my anger because I have great anger inside me. To be able to experience God's purposes in helping me grow in patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. And as I worship the Lord, as I focus on his praise and his purposes, joy starts to well up in my heart in the circumstance that in any other moment, if not for the goodness and praise and dedicating it to the Lord, I would be furious. You see, you and I, we struggle surrendering something to God at times because we're dependent on that thing to make us happy. I want you to think about those things that you treasure, that you're having trouble submitting to God, dedicating to the Lord. We're afraid because we depend on that thing to make us happy, When we're afraid Jesus is going to steal our joy. But when your joy is in Jesus, He gives us strength to to experience His joy in our lives, right? We struggle and we're afraid, but the problem with that is when we put our happiness in these things that we're not willing to dedicate to God, it, our happiness can go up and down. It's dependent on the circumstances. It's temporary. It's tenuous. It doesn't last. But instead, you remember in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he talks about how the joy of the Lord is your strength. That Jesus is that Lord. That Jesus is my joy. John chapter 15, verse 11, is, Jesus says to us, these things that I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete or full. And so what that means is when our joy is in Jesus, then we don't have to look to our accomplishments or applause. We don't have to look towards health or wealth or our job or our spouse or our kids or our ministry to be our source of joy in life. Because when your joy is in Jesus, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, it means he gives strength to be a good spouse or to be a good friend, to be a good worker, to be a good student, to be a good minister of the gospel gospel, because then you won't take these good things and try to make them God. You won't go to people and things to make you strong and happy. You'll go to Jesus, and he'll give you joy. He'll give you strength so that you can be a blessing with all these other things. Because when your life is dedicated to the praise and purposes of God, that's when you begin to experience real joy. Amen? when Nehemiah's people were blessed by God to finish this wall. You see that they're not celebrating it as their own achievement or their own fulfillment. Instead, what they do is they dedicate it to the Lord because life is not about the work that we built, but it's about the worship that we give to God in heaven who made us, who loves us, who gives generously to us and ultimately gave his own son to die for us and to rise as our savior. So I want to ask you and end with, what about you this morning? What have you dedicated yourself to, your life to? Like the Jewish people in this passage, God has involved you in building many important and strong and valuable things. He's given you many blessings in your life. And the temptation here is for us to dedicate those things to ourselves, to dedicate ourselves to the building our lives, our peace, and our joy on these blessings that God has given us. For the Jewish people back then, on their wall. For us, our health and our wealth, our job and our fun, our ministry and our family. And remember what Psalm 127 verse 1 says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build are laboring in vain. And Jesus goes on to tell us later in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through 27 that you can be like a fool who builds his house on sand. And that when the rains and the floods and the wind come, then that house will fall. Or you can be the the wise man who built his house on the rock, the rock of Jesus, his truth, his grace, his life. So I wonder what you're building your life on right now. And I wonder if it's apart from Jesus. If it keeps crumbling between your fingers like sand. And maybe it's time to trust him and entrust your blessings back to him. And so let us continue to praise him today to remind us that all these blessings, all these situations, all these relations we have in our lives, they're all from him. They belong to him. So we want to devote them to him so that they'll be used by him for our good, for his glory. And as we continue to worship in song, I want to invite those of you who are baptized followers of Jesus to come forward to take some of the bread and the cup, just take it back to your seat to take communion together. But I want to invite all of us during this time to reflect what area of your life do you need to dedicate to God or rededicate to God in praise and set apart for his purposes? Are there things that you've been withholding from him? Because you base your happiness on them. Or because you're afraid. And what would it look like if you were to trust him and rededicate it to him today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your word, the power of what you do in the lives of men and women hundreds of years ago in the book of Nehemiah, but also in our lives now, today. And so as we prepare our hearts in worship of you. Would you help us once again to remember all the good things that you have done, that you have made, that you have given, that you have accomplished in our lives. And instead of taking it for granted or taking it credit for ourselves, clinging to it as our possession, help us to come before you with open hands, trusting a good, holy, Glorious God, that what you can do with what we give is so much better than what we would have been able to do on our own, with our time, with our money, with our relationships, with our skills, with what our stuff we dedicated to you because it was already yours anyways but we want to see it multiplied for your purposes to see your blessing and your glory in our lives and through our lives to other people. So we thank you for the bread and the cup as a reminder of your goodness. And we ask this morning before we take it that you would help us to see areas of our lives that perhaps we need to rededicate back to you today. In Jesus' name.